1: Welcome, welcome to the Court of the Trashy Royals, where we assemble each week to reveal and revel in the tales of our betters behaving badly. My name is Stacy. Hey friends, Alicia here. Thank you for joining us today as we continue
0: on with our Mountbatten family album. Last week we got to Princess Victoria, granddaughter of Queen Victoria, marrying one of the Battenberg boys, Prince Louis, and it begins. Victoria and Louis have four kids. This episode focuses in on the first of those, Princess Alice of Battenberg, with a story that is pretty incredible. Even though Princess Alice is a royal, we don't hear a lot about her. She is the grandmother of the current King of England, Charles III. She's one of the best stories you may not know about. Princess Abbas, general all-around rebel to the royal system most certainly memorable. Princess Alice had a lot of action in her life. She was exiled twice. She becomes a nun. She's terribly mistreated. It is family dysfunction off the charts and she's amazing. Before we begin today's episode, we do have some good nobles to thank for their recent support over at patreon.com slash podcast. Getting early and ad-free episodes every week. Stacy. Who's on our scroll this week for all the love and praise?
1: Thanks so much for joining us, Marissa B, Bethany D, Dion H, Adeline S, Martine G, and Jaya A. Thanks, everybody, for joining us there. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today.
0: I see no reason to waste any time for general all around royal rebel. Let us anon to Princess Alice of Battenberg. story. I want to set in to frame up the next few weeks. Remember grandmama Queen Victoria said about Princess Victoria, her granddaughter, and the marriage of Louis of the Battenberg boys. Of course, those who like great matches will not like it, but great matches do not always make great happiness. This is certainly true of Victoria and Louis. People may not have liked that matchup, But they had a happy and loving marriage.
1: Okay. Unique among (laughs) all of our
0: contestants on this podcast. The marriage turned out great. They are a close family. Mom and dad, super close. Mom and dad, super close with all four of their kids. They have four kids, Alice, Louise, George, and Louie. This episode is about the first of those children, Princess Alice. Oh, my. Now, we have spent some time with mother-in-laws over the last few weeks with Empress Matilda and Eleanor of Aquitaine, Princess Alice of Battenberg, in this case, was the mother-in-law of Queen Elizabeth II. This is a mother-in-law like no other. (laughs) Princess Alice has had quite a resurgence with Netflix's The Crown. She was largely not discussed or mentioned really until this century. But now there's this delightful bit on The Crown, which is completely fictional, but it gives Princess Alice a time to shine in a way that I think is a long time coming. So fictionally in The Crown, John Armstrong from The Guardian goes to interview Princess Alice. This is after Princess Anne cast off her interview. Oh, go to her. It'll be fine. Her story. Fictionally, it's written up in The Guardian by John Armstrong, and naturally, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip react, and all of London reacts, essentially, about this fictional scene. But what's written about Princess Alice here, I think, is really memorable. This would be the statement coming at the end of Alice's life, this prose I wish could have happened. Fictionally, from The Crown, this is what's written about Princess Alice. It is a common staple of mother-in-law jokes that having one come to stay is a nightmare. But having this mother-in-law to stay can only be a blessing. For Princess Alice is that rarest of creatures, a member of a royal family that has suffered more than the rest of us, worked harder than the rest of us, and created more good than the rest of us. Congenitally deaf, she was consistently misunderstood, marginalized, and underestimated. Doctors inflicted untold horrors on her, x-raying her womb to bring on menopause and reduce her libido and electric shock treatment to treat her hysteria. But instead of bitterness, Princess Alice dedicated her life to charity work, public service, and campaigning for social justice, often at great personal risk.
1: Okay, well, that sounds like there's a lot of bad here. None of that statement is untrue. It was made up for
0: television. Sure. But I wish that people had understood Princess Alice like that at the time because I've never seen a better descriptor. Let's get into her story. Sure. Victoria and Louis, Alice's parents, marry in April of 1884. Their first child, Princess Alice, a daughter, comes quickly. She's born February 25th, 1885, at Windsor Castle. April to February. Mom and dad wasting no time. Alice's great-grandmama, Queen Victoria, was present at Alice's birth. Hmm. Remember, Alice's parents are German, but she was very much raised in the English customs. Alice, when she's born, though, is stone deaf. She cannot hear a thing. Wow. When she's growing up, everyone thinks Alice is slow. She was a bother. Oh God, we got a daft one here. But it turns out that Alice's grandmother takes her to a doctor who's like, no, this child is deaf and maybe we need to make some accommodations, but no accommodation is made for Alice. It is a childhood of tough love. Princess Victoria won't let anyone in the family repeat anything for Alice to comprehend. Hmm. There are no accommodations made. Alice is understanding her world from context clues because she can't hear what's going on in it. Alice, though, by the age of 18, could speak clearly and read lips in not one, not two, but three languages. Wow. There's no keeping Alice down. Apparently. There's no holding Alice back. Something a little bit adorable here in this life of tough love. Little Princess Alice was a bridesmaid in 1893 for Prince George, Duke of York, and Princess Mary of Tech, long before they became George V and Queen Mary. Hmm. Princess Alice would have been about 10 years old here. Let's bring Alice, young Alice, to the age of 17. In 1902, Alice is invited, naturally is a member of the royal family, to the coronation of her great-uncle, Bertie Bertie Edward VII, yes. Blessedly, who is now attaining his throne after the very, very, very long reign of Queen Victoria. It is at Bertie's coronation that Princess Alice of Battenberg meets Prince Andrew of Greece and Denmark. Prince Andrew is the youngest son of George I of Greece and his wife, Olga Konstantinova of Russia. Prince Andrew's father is the king of Greece, but Prince Andrew's mother is the granddaughter of Nicholas I of Russia. Wow, Bertie Edward VII (laughs) is his uncle through marriage and her granduncle. There's a lot going on. What does this mean, really? The future bride and groom... Alice and Andrew are super related to the Royal houses of the United Kingdom, Germany, Russia, Denmark, and Greece. It's a lot. Alice is mad about Andrew. She's smitten kitten. Although if they had thought of actually running a natal chart with the two of them before they got married, they might have reconsidered. But alas, (laughs) it is October of 1903. First in a civil ceremony, and then religious ceremonies happening shortly after Princess Alice of Battenberg, Prince Andrew of Greece, get married. Mazel, congrats. Everything's going to be awesome,
1: right? I mean... Nope. I was going to guess no, but okay. Nope. Nope. Nobody. It's the natal charts. It is not going to be awesome.
0: We're going to find out how it turns bad for such an auspicious beginning right after a quick commercial break.
1: We'll see you on the flip.
0: Oh, young love, our newlyweds. Sure. Alice and Andrew are going to head back over to Greece. They're going to set themselves up at the royal palace. And these two get down to business. Within 10 years, Alice will bear four children. Wow. All girls. Muzzle. That's what everyone dreams of. Royal. It's good stuff, though. Greece, the country, Mm -hmm. the people love Princess Alice. That's cool. She is the most popular of the King's daughter-in-laws. It is said about princess Alice. Listen, oh, this is so touching. She could always read what was exactly in your heart. Why could she do that? Cause she couldn't hear anything. I mean, right. she is working on yeah. con. It is a life built on context clues. Mm-hmm. It's all going great. She loves Greece. She loves its culture. She loves its people. They love her, but let's connect the years. The lovebirds marry in 1903 Four kids Let's take it on a decade. By 1912, Greece is a hot mess. The Greeks and the Turks are at war. And it's not great. And Princess Alice is going to leave her family and go to work on the front lines of the war. Wow. She organizes hospitals. She amputates limbs. Oh, my God. She is a tireless worker in terrible conditions. This is 1912. Roll up the timeline. Two years. World War I. Yep. Which will involve Greece. This is not our geo-global politics podcast. Sure. But I want you to know that Greece and Turkey are fighting each other. And then World War I happens. And then their fight changes a
1: little bit. But as soon as World War I is over, Greece and Turkey go back oh, into they just fighting. Right Correct. back into it. Okay. <laughs> that, that makes no one was exhausted by the end of World War One. I'm glad they still had a little pluck in them. We just changed wars. We had yeah. mini wars. We went
0: to the big one. Now we're back in the mini one. And by 1922, Republican troops have taken over Greece, and the king of Greece has fled
1: the country. Because the Republican forces are anti-monarchist.
0: Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And Prince Andrew... The husband of Prince Alice is arrested Mm. and tried. Oh, we love that. And convicted of disloyalty. Oh, no. And faces a death sentence. This is all in December of 1922. Speedy justice. And Prince Andrew is granted a stay of execution. Oh, that's nice. Well, it's not a good look for more murders and more gruesome deaths because it's really just put a spotlight on whatever country you want to go to. Sure. Okay, but wait a minute. Hold on. Princess Alice, back in June of 1921, surprise last baby, she delivers her fifth child, Hmm. Philip, a boy. Oh, I know that name. Prince Philip is described as such a cheerful child, he will be sixth in line to the Greek throne. So once Prince Andrew is relieved of his execution, everybody's getting the heck out of Greece. The baby comes to Princess Alice and Prince Andrew and the family and little Prince Philip in an orange crate. Go to a British warship.
1: Is that a real detail? Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. Okay. Put him in an orange crate. Okay,
1: Moses. Let's go.
0: out of Greece. Where do they go? Come on. It's 1923. Where are you going? Do they go to the United Kingdom? Paris. Okay. Paris is where you go. They're doing it on Belgian passports. They arrive in Paris all as refugees. So this grand unification of the royal houses of Europe, things aren't going great. Their fortune is gone. Their titles are gone. And with all of this, sort of their purpose as well, what do we do now? We've been royals. We've been raising our family. We've been in charitable works. We've been fighting this war now for a decade Philip and the other kids recall about this time that Paris was a pretty good time. <laughs> Our dad was there, and it was awesome having mm-hmm. him there. We were more of the family there than we were at any other time. Oh no, like, it was the Roaring Twenties too. Well, it was so. the Roaring Twenties, but Mom's not at war. Mm-hmm. Like it's time for everybody just to take a minute and regroup. Yeah, her amputating limbs days are over. The family has no <laughs> cash; they're living off relatives, right? And Prince Andrew here is becoming more depressed and more despondent. And Alice is becoming much more isolated and vulnerable. It is at this point, Alice's husband, Prince Andrew, just kind of absconds. He takes off. He's going to run off with his mistress Mm. to the south of France. And pretty much stay there for the rest of his life. Alice and Andrew never divorced. But they are estranged from the late twenties on to his death in December of 1944.
1: Wow! But yeah, I guess they weren't exactly like hiring for princes in Paris at that time. Well, we're not done with his part of the saga. But oh. but he's conducting the rest of it from the south of France with his mistress, little bit, okay. little bit. So something happens here with Princess Alice in Paris.
0: And I set this into the stage in Paris in the late 1920s. Princess Alice has a love affair that never happens. No one knows who this is with, but it is an unrequited love that is so passionate as well as unfulfilled in Alice that she's really having a tough time with this reckoning of whatever's happening. She's in her early 40s, love has been a duty. She hasn't been smitten kitten quite that way for a very long time. And, you know, quite frankly, again, pretty rough decade and a half. By 1928, she's 43. And in her world with context clues, if she sees somebody laughing at the end of the table, she thinks they're laughing about her.
1: Mm. She's great.
0: Really, the, the toll, I think, mentally over the last few decades is really coming in
1: here. Sure. Your husband's abandoned you. You have five kids. At this point, she may very well have PTSD as well from, I mean, she's been on the front lines, amputating limbs, like, right. (sighs) A lot going on. Unrequited
0: love. uh, There's, there's a Mm -hmm. lot happening here in this swirl of Princess Alice. And here she announces her conversion to the Greek Orthodox Church. She becomes to be very preoccupied by the spiritual, but
1: her beliefs Aren't really within the lineup of what the Greek Orthodox Church requires. Interesting. So she's becoming more spiritual and trying to like find a framework to hang that on, but it it doesn't fit well. Well, it's I'm not going to say it's brainworms, but it's uh, <laughs> the DSM five
0: would probably call it uh, religious delusions. Hmm. Here, Princess Alice begins a secret love affair with Jesus Christ. Okay. They have spiritual intercourse together. Wow. She has a signed
1: photo of him. Signed photo? Okay. I feel like, yeah, this probably is not smiled upon by actual clergy. (laughs) She has her,
0: you know, faith-filled secret liaison with JC. Mm -hmm. And she announces that she is here to deliver a message to the world. Oh, good. Princess Victoria, Princess Alice's mother, is... A little worried about her daughter. You don't say. (laughs) Mom says that Princess Alice has anemia of the brain from too much contemplation. Wow. Mom thinks that just Princess Alice has too much time to sit around and think about things. So all this is happening through the late 20s. I want to focus in on a four-month period in 1930 here. From February of 1930 to May of 1930. A lot happens So Princess Victoria, alarmed about her daughter, she is going to turn to psychiatry, which if we have learned anything from the Zelda Fitzgerald story, psychiatry and asylums in the late 20s and early 30s across Europe. Not great. Not great. Early days. Early days still. Princess Alice gets checked into an experimental clinic in Berlin. I hate to think what they're experimenting with. Well, this doctor, Dr. Simmel, is doing something different. And he's like, listen, mentally ill, suffering patients are going to have a harder time to come see me on like the daily to treat something. So I'm just going to bring them all into one single place that I can be here to support everybody with their stuff. And here, Princess Alice is diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And Dr. Simmel was like, man, I don't even know what to do about this. Like, what is the root cause? What's the origin of all of this? And one of the ladies-in-waiting of Princess Alice tells her doctor that, hey, I probably... Shouldn't tell you this, but let me tell you about this time that the princess had a deep passion for an Englishman in the mid-1920s and it was unconsummated. So this gets blamed for Princess Alice's menopause. Let's just put it that way because menopause, am I right? So Dr. Simmel is like, holy cats, I don't even know how to treat this. So Dr. Simmel is going to go to his buddy. Perhaps you've heard of him. A doctor, Sigmund Freud. Wow. He goes to old Siggy and he's like, Hey, Siggy, I need you to review Alice's case. And the thing about Freud is he is talk therapy. He is the pioneer of non medical treatments. He's all about talk. Tell me about your father and the egg on the sidewalk that day, and let's spend 10 years breaking down. Okay. That is not what Sigmund Freud does. Mr. Pioneer of non-medical treatments, it's all inside your mind. Freud comes down and he's like, hey, Simmel, we need to x-ray our ovaries. We need to blast them with x-ray. We just, we need to, we need to blast all of that and kill every part of that. We need her to glow in the dark. We need her to glow in the dark. Now, Simmel is like, I'm not really sure about this. This is horrifying. Simmel goes to his other friend, a doctor scientist. This guy's name is Dr. Steiner, and he's a sadist. Currently, his medical work at the time is transferring testicles of gay men to cure the homosexuality. And Dr. Steiner is on board with this treatment. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Simmel, this is totally Mm. true. If you... X-ray women until they glow, they're going to get through menopause faster. It's all about hormones. Just x ray -er her (laughs) till the day is done. Now, there's no evidence that any of this worked. And the doctors who don't know a darn thing about the way women's bodies work. Yeah, there's that. Are going to make this X-ray decision. Blast Alice. Alice is like... um. No. After the blast, Alice is going to check herself out, saying, I didn't consent
1: to any of this. I'm out of here. I'm going back to Paris. I'm fine. And I don't need any flashlights anymore because I just shied my own way through the world. (laughs) I have my own torchlight.
0: So Princess Victoria, her mother is worried when Princess Alice gets back to Paris and mom says her eyes have altered.
1: It's probably the glowing. It's the radiation, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: <laughs> this is not funny. None of this no, story is it's, funny at is, all.
1: This is medical abuse. This, this is, is terrible. This is medical
0: abuse. And mom is like, Alice has changed. She's still not right. And if you behave in a strange manner, like you've just been x-rayed five ways to Sunday. Yeah, you just
1: microwaved her.
0: Like, it's fine. <laughs> Princess Victoria, her mom, can't handle it. This is not in line with proper behavior as we have come to know it. And when you're weird and you're not falling in line, what happens? You get removed. Hmm. So in May of 1930, here's Philip. Philip is, I don't know, nine, out with his grandmama. Mom, they're hanging out. All of a sudden, a car and men in white coats descend upon the family. Princess Alice is snatched. She's sedated. She's shipped off to Switzerland to Bellevue Sanitarium.
1: And I'm sure things are way better at Bellevue in Switzerland than there in France. Well, Bellevue Sanitarium, like so many of
0: our collective cast of characters Mm -hmm. have seen (laughs) Bellevue. Wandered through those halls. I mean, it's a rich people place. It's, you know... They're treating stuff, but it's also a you're inconvenient to us and we need to stash you somewhere. Sure. Princess Alice stays here for like two and a half years. She will make some escape attempts. It is during this time that Prince Andrew checks out. I have no responsibility. I'm out. I'm going down to my honey. Gotcha. Okay. Princess Alice is here from May 1930 to September 1932. During those two years, all of Princess Alice's daughters get married to Nazis, essentially. Uh, Princess Alice gets no word of this. She's not invited. She doesn't even have any word that any of this is happening. Wow. They keep her isolated and lonely and hidden away.
1: Okay, that is deeply cruel. Now, Alice has
0: been demanding her release since her arrival. And in September of 1932, Alice finds out that she isn't there on the authority of any doctors or medical personnel. It is her mother, Princess Victoria, who has committed her. Not good. Well, Princess Alice realizes that, hey, this isn't on medical authority. It's just my mom. So Princess Alice naturally is angry. Her mother has had her locked away for almost three years Princess Alice never forgives her mom for it. But once Alice realizes that there is actual light at the end of my tunnel, her worst symptoms go away, right? She's like, oh, I can play this game sure. to get the heck out of here. Which Princess Alice does. She plays the game and her mother will authorize her release, expecting that, oh, Alice is so much better. She'll come back and we'll all be one happy Old family times. again. Is that going to happen? Nope. Princess Alice is now turning her back on her family, who has royally screwed her over. She is not going to go back to her former life. Instead, for the next five years, Princess Alice goes off the grid underground. She's a nomad. Princess Alice, out.
1: Just wandering Europe?
0: No one knows where she is or what she's doing. Like, she literally, uh, no contact with her family four years. In reality, during most of this time, she's in Germany, in various boarding houses, modest places, typically within poorer sections of the city, whatever city she's in. And Princess Alice, the people who knew her then, she was described as not of this world. She's very different than she was before. She'll never go out in the street but on a nice day, she may go to the balcony. There's a child who lives in one of these boarding houses that's interviewed many years later as an adult who would recall that Alice would sit on the terrace and just stare out into the sky. And the kid would be like, what do you see? And Alice would see various saints and martyrs in the landscape.
1: So continuing with her fervor.
0: Correct. Here, Princess Alice is hiding out, recovering off the grid. I want to leave her there for a moment, living off the grid for mm, five years. But again, there's a young son in all of this from 1930 when Philip was nine. What happens here? Prince Philip does not see or receive any word from his mother. I mean, she's taken in sure. 1930. She does come back, but from the summer of 1932 to the spring of 1937, no contact wow. with Philip. He'll later comment it's simply what happened. The family broke up. My mother was ill. My sisters were married. My father was in the south of France. I just had to get on with it. You do. One does. I just had to get on with it. You
1: do. He's 12. He's 13. This is terrible. Well, by the time
0: she makes a resurgence, he's a teenager. Mm -hmm. Because let's talk about what's happening with Philip. With no parents to care for him. Yeah. Alice's family, most especially her brother George, steps in. And it's under the care of mostly Prince George, but also... Prince Louis and Princess Alice, his other aunts and uncles. Philip goes to school in England. He was briefly educated in Germany at a school owned by one of his sister's husbands. But remember, they're all Nazis. Right. That doesn't last long. Less than a year after going to Germany, Philip returns to Britain and was sent to Gordonston, a boarding school in Scotland. And Philip is at boarding school and he's got holidays away going to extended family. He, I mean, every time there's a holiday, where am I going to go? He doesn't know where he's going to be. He is without a definite home, without a definite place. Like, really makes you feel bad for Philip. Yeah, it seems like a very Harry Potter kind of... He's described as he's a dog looking for a basket. Oh, Uh, He's shuffled around. His mother's been abducted, and she's mad, and his dad is out with his honey. And this time period will build an exterior in Philip that is tough, capital T, tough. He's never going to know where the next blow is going to come from. During this time, and I'm going to put it this time, 1936, he will sign a guest book on one of those visits you know, Prince Philip of, and in the column for address, he writes, no fixed abode with an exclamation point. Isn't that sad? Yes. All right. So there's a lot swirling in our mix. We're going to make our way to 1937 where everything, tragedy, 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 shifts again. Back right after the break.
1: All right. 1937, Alicia, what's up? So Prince
0: Philip is at Gordonston. Princess Alice is off the grid. More tragedy to come. We're going to reconnect a story that we have already talked about before. In November of 1937, Princess Cecile, her husband, two of her children, and her unborn child... Oh, the plane crash. ...were killed in a plane crash, returning for the royal wedding, Mm -hmm. which... Joy should have happened, but that
1: joy turns into tragedy. Because it wiped out an entire royal house. exactly right. Yeah. We've talked about the story. I want
0: to bring it all together. At this funeral held in Nazi Germany. Here, the whole family reunites. Prince Andrew hasn't seen his wife, Princess Alice, in seven years. Prince Philip hasn't seen anybody. Awkward. Yeah, awkward turtle. Alice kind of shows up. Like, the family hasn't seen her in forever. She's been off the grid, and here Mm -hmm. she turns up like a bad penny. Like, I thought I could help. You know, I'm everybody's mom here. Oh, my God. Very awkward. Now, also by the late 1930s, (laughs) Alice and Andrew's three surviving daughters are all married to officers within the Nazi regime. Sure. And then there's Philip growing into a man. Sure, in the United Kingdom. Well, in Scotland. Well, even worse for Philip here, just a few months later after the death of his sister and walking behind the casket and the awkward reuniting of his parents and him, Philip's uncle and guardian, his closest male person ever, George Mountbatten, Alice's brother, the second Marquis of Milford Haven, died suddenly Mm. of cancer at the age of 46. Gordonston's headmaster, German guy Kurt Hahn, was the one to break the news to Philip recalling that Philip's sorrow was that of a man. Philip is 17 and here his closest uncle and father figure mm-hmm. is dead on the heels of his sister being dead. Oh, this is not a for Prince Philip podcast. And yet. Well, it's not my job in telling the story to judge. It's my job to understand. Mm-hmm. And I think this unpacks and gets up with a little bit more understanding of what his early life might have been like. Let's move along to November, 1938. When you can't make it up. The Greek monarchy is restored. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> no takes backsies. Prince Alice is like, all right, cool. I can get off the grid and go back to Athens. So she does. And she'll write to her son, Philip, Hey, Phil, I have a tiny flat for us. I haven't seen any of this furniture since 1917, but you should come back and reunite with me and we'll dust and clean it up and we can make up for all of those lost years, son. Come and reclaim. You're even closer in line to being king of Greece than you were before. Let's get reunited. Mother, sun it up. We'll go on ice cream dates. It'll be a lot
1: of fun. Sure. spen a for everybody.
0: With the death of Prince George, Philip's beloved uncle, it gives Prince George's younger brother, Prince Louis, this is Dickie Mountbatten, the opportunity to step in and become the role model for Prince Philip. Um, <clears throat> Louis. Louis has got a whole different plan than Philip. You're not going back to Greece to get killed. I'm not. I got other plans for you here. You just don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. Mwa ha ha.
1: Let's meet your cousin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It turns out, Philip, Britain is the place for you and Mm -hmm. the Royal Navy is your ticket. And here's Princess Alice. Son, come home. You can be king of Greece. And Louis, her younger brother, is like... Hey, Philip, you have a very uncertain future in Greece. Your promise is in Britain. What's the choice? I need to tell you no one's taking Princess Alice seriously with this idea. 1940, Hitler descends on Europe, World War II. I mean, the story just keeps getting worse here. Princess Alice stays in Greece in April of 1941. The swastika flag is raised in greece and now it is nazi occupied philip <laughs> has taken his uncle Louis's advice he's fighting in the royal navy and britain at this point right 1940 is standing alone mm. against hitler princess alice back in greece immediately goes to work what is she doing go back to the front lines sure. i'm going to work in a soup kitchen athens is starving Prince Louis of Mountbatten's daughter, Pamela Hicks, recalls of this time, my father risked life and limb to get money and food and supplies to her behind enemy lines, and every time we delivered a package, Princess Alice would just give it all away. By 1943, Nazis in Greece are deporting Jewish people to death camps, and here there is a family, the Coens, that flee south. And the Coens have been friends with Princess Alice for a long time. And this day, she's looking out the window and she sees the Coens, takes them in and hides the family. She says, where have you been? I've been waiting for you. Princess <laughs> Alice has made preparations to hide a Jewish family with her on the top floor of her home for more than a year. Oh, cynical Stacy getting a little teary-eyed. I
1: can't just that.
0: Princess Alice is the royal that uh, you don't feel like... Huh? Princess Alice is the just royal you root for. Yeah. Nobody knows she's doing this. Sure. This is like, well, obviously. Uh, obviously. No, that's amazing. But here's a better part that you're going to like even more is, of course, everybody's looking for the Coens and Princess Alice. Like, Nazis show up at her house all the time. Sure. To be like, we want to search your place. And Princess Alice, she's deaf. Right. So... Her disability what? Be- yep, becomes her <laughs> weapon at this point. And she, I can't hear you. Oh, and the Nazis what?
1: had such a dim view of things like They get disability. so yeah.
0: frustrated that eventually they just throw their hands up and go away. Oh, it's such a, uh, Princess Alice. Yep. In 1944, Greece is liberated. And here, Princess Alice can visit her son again who by this time, Prince Philip is a strapping 22-year-old, having taken his Uncle Louis's advice, enrolling in the Naval College in Dartmouth at the age of 18. It is also under the encouragement of his Uncle Louis that the 18-year-old Philip meets his 13-year-old third cousin, Princess Elizabeth. Hmm. The two, Elizabeth and Philip, share in common a great-great-grandmother of Queen Victoria. Romance blooms. It is in 1947 that the engagement of Elizabeth and Philip is announced. and you know, all things should be happy, but for Philip, tragic. His father's dead. His sisters are dead or married to Nazis. So, right. They aren't even invited to the wedding. Princess Alice is in Greece. There's no way she's missing this wedding. She's missed all the other weddings that have happened in the past. She's not missing this one. Here comes princess Alice off to London, but she arrives and people are, it's, uh, there's no such thing as a civilized past. Same story, different year. She gets there and people are like, what is this about Prince Philip and his family? And who is his mother? Cause princess Alice has been off the grid for years. Right. She's got no clue of what's going on. And the press is, Who is this Philip character anyway? Is he good enough for our Elizabeth? What about his batty mother? (laughs) Princess Alice does show for the wedding. She'll even give some of her jewels to her son for him to use to go into Elizabeth's engagement ring. Hmm. There is this one time, it's a funny story, Prince Philip about to be married into the Windsor family. In preparation for the wedding, there's this like snooty member of the firm, some courtier, who's walking Philip through Windsor Castle pointing things out. And Prince Philip is like, yeah, I know. My mom was born in that room. Oh, my God. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Princess Alice, once the wedding is done, she's out. She's back to Greece out of Windsor. But Princess Alice, still a nun, becoming more and more devoted to her religious fervor. In 1949, Princess Alice is going to found her own religious order. The Sisterhood of Martha and Mary. Its roots are all the way back in 1909 Russia. The Sisterhood of Martha and Mary is based on a convent that Alice's aunt, Grand Duchess Elizabeth Fedorovna, had founded. It all connects. (laughs) During the early 50s, Princess Alice is going to take not one but two trips to the United States to raise funds for her convent. Wow. Things progress. Sure. This convent actually still exists today as a community center. It has been serving the poor of Athens since 1949. Princess Alice has now taken all of her charity, her devotion to the common good, her social justice, her frontline service, tirelessly as always, and making it kind of work for her. Not without making the family mad, though. She'll sell her jewels. <laughs> To support her religious work. The family's furious. Her mother says of her, who's ever heard of a nun who smokes and plays Canasta? <laughs> okay, that's the best nun. <laughs> Princess Alice, the smoking nun. Again, Princess Alice never forgives her mom. But to Athens, Greece, and Greece itself, Princess Alice is a angel. Yeah. She's going to cause a little bit more press speculation in 1953 when Alice shows up as the smoking abbess to the coronation of her daughter-in-law, Queen Elizabeth II. Mm. And here, we've seen Princess Alice at Philip's wedding. But whatever, scant six years later. Sure. Here Princess Alice comes, an old gray lady in a gray habit, sitting leading her family's side at this coronation. Philip's mother, who is the smoking abbess? It's la scandal. T- Anyway, after this, Princess Alice back to Greece and Mm -hmm. largely forgotten, doing her good works in her convent, recruiting nuns, raising funds, serving the poor of Athens. But in a twist that, of course, you see coming because it's the country of Greece in 1967. Do they abolish the monarchy again? The Greek royal family is expelled again in a military coup. Sure. Seems right. And Princess Alice is like, I have seen this film before. Mm-hmm. I'm not going anywhere. And now there is much discussion among the royal houses of Europe. And Princess Alice is only expelled on order of Queen Elizabeth II. A private plane like Alice is sent. Like, Alice's heels in the mud. I'm not going anywhere. But eventually, Queen Elizabeth II well, is sh- like, you have to get out of right, there. Right, I'm
1: sure they're concerned for her safety. We're going
0: to send a plane, get on home, and Princess Alice does get back home to jolly old England. Here, she'll get a small room at Buckingham Palace, and awkward turtle again. Mother and son are reunited, living under the same roof for the first time in more than 40 years. That had to be something. But to the outside public, Princess Alice is forgotten. Her biographer, Hugo Vickers, writes, By the end of her life, the general public scarcely remembered that she was alive and were largely unaware that she was at Buckingham Palace. So all of that smoke that I talked in the beginning about that fictional thing of the crown, all of it's true. I wish she had gotten that recognition then,
1: but it took her a little bit of time. It sounds like she was not a showboat. No, she just did good works did not need recognition for it it's a royal you can really root for yeah you know i mean the greeks i'm sure were thinking like we will get rid of all of these privileged entitled people you know probably didn't mean her (laughs) princess alice will pass away at buckingham palace december 5th
0: 1969 and again uh, just in death just like she was in life mostly forgotten there's not a mention in the press. It's like the fifth story down. It's just, yeah. Oh, wow. She has three dresses at the end of her life, which amount to her worldly possessions. They are given to her nurses. She never really loses her sanity, even though that's much talked about. Like, mm-hmm. oh, she went batty. No. Her, she was not senile. She was very, very frail. In Alice's will, She has requested to be buried on the Mount of Olives. And her son, Philip, never tires trying to fulfill his mother's wishes. It is in 1988 that Philip makes his first state visit to Jerusalem, Israel, Mm -hmm. where the Jewish nation awards Princess Alice their highest honor for her work in World War II. Prince Philip accepts that award For his mother. Princess Alice is the royal who would win over the most stubborn anti monarchist. Her story is simply incredible. I think we should all remember her in a way that embraces a different kind of royal. Right, not trashy. Not trashy. No trash cans for her. Definitely some for her mom. Mm -hmm. Maybe some for Sigmund Freud. Oh, yeah. Maybe some for Prince Andrew, her husband. X-ray technology. Mm. What a story, Princess Alice. That is just the first child of Victoria and Louis. We have three more to go. Sure. And it's only just getting trashy. That is my story today. That is a remarkable
1: story. I teared up repeatedly.
0: Again, she's the royal rebel that mm-hmm. makes you get on board with royalty. She's sure. just the one. It's just, <laughs> just, just, just her
1: one. Okay.
0: Everybody, thanks for tuning in to listen today and telling your friends about Trashy Royals. For your kind emails, your ratings and reviews, your support over at Patreon.com/slash Trashy Royals Podcast. We are gonna be back with more Mountbatten children on our next episode. Hope y'all enjoyed that one. Until we meet again. Stay Mount Batty. (laughs) Keep your eye on the throne, friends. Polish up that crown. Bye. Big love, everybody. Bye.